They really would prefer to be soaked with sea spray than deprived of fresh air. The overriding trait seems to be a deep love of home and a keen sense of the difference between home and school or between home and any other institution. It occurred to me when researching this book that the word homely needed to be invented only because children were sent away from home. It was used as a weapon of persuasion both by the prospectuses trying to woo new girls and by parents breaking the news to their daughters that they were going to be sent to a lovely homely school in a big country house. In my researches, I would come to see just how wide a spectrum the word homely could cover. Women who have been to boarding schools live with flashbacks both joyous and nightmarish, more vivid than day girls' flashbacks because there was no daily escape. These women, and I'm included, because I went to Sibton Park Preparatory School for Girls in Limming near Folkestone in Kent from 1972 to 1975, and have the brown velvet berry and gingham overall to prove it, are still kept awake at night by a recurring procession of ancient but still raw injustices to do with hymn books, vests, and sudden confiscations. Arriving at the houses of my interviewees, all ready to fire away with a question about how many bunts and burners the school had in 1952, I was often assailed by a sharp memory to do with knickers. Knickers that had to be worn over knicker linings, the difference between summer knickers and winter knickers, the humiliation of one's knicker elastic going, the desire to conform and wear the official school knickers rather than the slightly different type one's mother chose because she didn't hold with going to the official uniform shop. The time someone had to write a letter of apology to the school laundry because she had sent her knickers to the wash, but in fact, that had been a white lie. Knickers that only went to the wash once a week, and bloomers that only went once a fortnight. These are the memories that really stay with a person. And these were just the kind of details I was hoping to catch in my year of travelling round the country interviewing old girls in order to create a patchwork of 20th century boarding school life in words. The first old girl I interviewed, Jane Longrig, born 1929, lived in a cottage near Junction 5 of the M3. Turn right at the duck pond, she said on the telephone, and I thought, this is how it starts, and this is how it will go on. I will turn right at a great many duck ponds. Eventually I bought a sat-nav which knew the duck ponds were coming. I ran away from Mrs. Fife's when I was fourteen, Jane Longrig said, putting her sticks aside as we sat at her kitchen table piled high, as many old girls' kitchens' tables are, with dog-eared reading matter. You ran away? Was this in about 1942? Yes. Bubble Carew Pole said to me, Do let's run away. I've got a hired Daimler coming with a chauffeur. The Daimler arrived, we were whisked off, and we went to see a film in Royston. We came out in the dark and there was nothing much to do in Royston, so... We decided to go back to school. No one had noticed we were missing. It sounded like the beginning of The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, when no one noticed that Lucy had been to Narnia for the afternoon. But in this case, time in our world really had passed, and no one at Mrs. Fife's had noticed the absence of the two girls. It gave me a glimpse of a long, lazy 1940s afternoon in a world far from the Blitz, where girls of high birth rambled free in vast country houses and their extensive grounds, not being taught very much, and vaguely expected to grow up into young ladies with perfect manners who would marry dukes. The official name of Mrs. Fife's was Longstow Hall. It was in Cambridgeshire, but later the school moved to Gloucestershire, 
where it became Heatherup Castle. Was there a Mr. Five? Yes, there was, said Jane Longrig, but not in my time. He'd gone out onto the lake one day to test the water to see if it was suitable for the girls to skate on. He fell through the ice and was never seen again. All that were found were his hat and his stick. So no one was keeping an eye on him either. I would hear more about Mrs. Fife from girls who were at Hatherup Castle under her reign in the 1960s, by which time she was very deaf, and the girls would shout into her hearing aid, which looked like a cassette player, and she would say, Please, no smut, my darlings. Always the tragic story of the disappearing Mr. Fife hung there in the background. As I drove away from Jane's cottage, I knew my investigation into life in British girls' boarding schools was launched. But how could I do justice to the subject? So many schools, so many old girls. Think how many must have been...